and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod, World Cup edition number two, still alive. After that 1-1 draw with Spain, Germany still have a chance to make it out the group stage. And here to discuss everything about this game and a few things beyond that is Raphael Honigstein and Christoph Biermann. Welcome, dear listener. Before we start, our friendly reminder that you can, of course, support us on steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey. We need your support. We appreciate your support. You know you want to support us. If for whatever reason you have forgotten so far, click that button and many thanks in advance. But Christoph, somebody pushed a button yesterday and it was the number nine button that got pushed by Hansi Flick. Break the glass for emergency. Here is a striker coming on. And boy, did he have an impact last night. Yeah, you're talking about Niklas Füllkrug scoring the equalizer. And and I was uh, immediately thinking that we have to t uh, talk about it today. And not only because it was a very important goal, but because it almost brings up a, a philosophical, I don't know, a tactical uh, or psychological or football technical question why do teams need a number nine and why i mean we had we had the same story with with bayern and we, we talked about it at the beginning of the season and the we after Lewandowski gone you have so many options all these fantastic creative players and we talked about that they are also able to score goals but in the end our good old friend Shupo Muting um, <laughs> was the, the the number nine for for Bayern, and um, I think the the parallels between him and Niklas Füllkrug um, are so obvious. Um, in um, so um, here's my question to you: uh, Is it a philosophical question? Is it a tactical question? Is it a psychological question? What, what, what are we talking about? Why do we need a number nine? I mean, for some, I think it's a philosoph philosophical question. I was talking to my friend Guillaume Balaguer yesterday and I said, with Morata on the pitch, you probably win the game because you have these opportunities in the first half where a striker makes the run and the midfielder just doesn't make the run. Germany were exposed, but then there's a sideway pass or hesitation And he says, yeah, but without the striker, we don't dominate midfield. Um, so it is a philosophical question. I think for this Germany team, though, it's a more pragmatic question. You need presence, you need finishing, mm -hmm. and you need that focal point. And you're right to point to Chupo Mo, um, Eric Maxim Chupomoting, not just in the sense that Füllkrug's story kind of mirrors him in a way, but also I think this is just another example of a long history, at least, in the Löw era of the German national team following very closely the blueprint of Bayern. Of course, the personnel makes that almost inevitable, but Flick would have seen how the introduction of a centre-forward who is perhaps not on the same level than the other Bayern players still has helped this Bayern team function better, and I think that would have given him extra confidence to put on a player who's not a Champions League player, who's not a German international up, up until his friendly against Duman, 
because he understands, I think, the transformative effect of someone who is just, let's say, a decent striker, not top class, not bad, but just at a decent level. And I think yesterday, in those few minutes that he was on the pitch, not just for scoring, but one or two other situations, he did so much to help this team that I cannot see how he will be left out against Costa Rica. Yeah, and and obviously um, it's very likely that you uh, need some goals against Costa Rica. And um, I think they will defend very deep. And um, so it also makes sense to have him as a... Um, um, uh, opportunity for for crosses, um, so that you <laughs> Ramburg, yes, is is that our our next uh, uh, learning Fußball Deutsch after we already had Brechstange, so we we open the toolkit here, so drumroll. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Uh, here's the fantastic next edition of Learning Fußball Deutsch and Raphael Honigstein explains Rambok. Rambok is a battering ram, battering ram from medieval times when you had to force through the main gate of the castle, you'd use a battering ram and that's what a good striker does. But that's also used in in English, huh? in, in the context of football or not? Yeah, but you don't see it very often anymore. Like Brechstange, it's a little bit <laughs> antiquated. Um, but not so much Brechstange, I think, in his case, just the fact that he makes those runs that strikers do. You know, taking the ball off Musiala even for the goal. Um, he was talking to us in Mixon afterwards and said it was just pure instinct and instinct is always good because it then means you're not thinking about things and you just know what to do. And from training, from scoring hundreds of goals in your career, uh, maybe not at a top level, but, you know, training and um, and lower levels, you just, you know where the, where the goal is. Maybe to a, to a larger extent than a, center, than, a, than a forward who's more of a technical player or wide player because they just don't have the same exposure to these situations. I think it becomes second nature to these players because they do it all the time. It's a craft. It's not an art. It's like a carpenter. Yeah. And I always think, I'm always thinking of Miro Klose who, who studied carpentry. It's not something that you're necessarily born with, although you need to have the physical attributes, but this is actually a learned behavior knowing what to do in these situations. Talking about this craft of, of being a, a goal scorer, I, I think underlying, as we don't have so many great goal scorers, but one decent goal scorer in Niklas Füllkrug, is probably showing that uh, the thinking within German football was heading in the wrong direction for, 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 for quite a while. I mean, we, we don't have this... Um, craftsmen in defending, uh, as you saw with the Niklas Süle mistake, and I think it was a mistake uh, by him that he didn't pick up uh, Morata earlier in the situation when um, uh, Spain was scoring the one nil. But but also um, this lack of um, having um, goal scorers is um is maybe i think it um, the problem has been seen and addressed but um i think we still have to wait 
for some years and until these um, typical number nines and typical number fours and so uh, come back again? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think the German FA have realized that there's a flaw in the system that uh, a lot of the coaches in the youth development like players to be technical, like players to be available for lots of different situations, uh, different positions. And then if you're just, uh, in inverted commas, like a big guy, you don't get necessarily the fostering, the kind of education that you would benefit on uh, later on. And I think there has been a change of mind. I think you're right in saying that it's going to take some time before we see these players emerging. But I think as so often, we will see the national team and Bayern in conjunction setting a new trend for more coaches to realize, actually, we don't have to have Lewandowski up front. We don't have to have the best striker in the world. A striker who knows what he's doing is better than none. And I think that is the big lesson uh, so far. And Phil Krug, I don't know if he's the right player to play against Brazil, for example, if we go that far, because he will probably struggle against that type of defense and maybe it'll be better to have smaller players. But against Costa Rica in a game, as you said, that they will defend deep in, you cannot think of a, of a better player at the moment, especially with the form and confidence that he will take from, from scoring such a huge goal. And it was very, very amusing because afterwards, People asked him, you know, what does that mean? And we sort of expected him to say, well, it was a dream a year ago. We're still scoring against Holstein <laughs> Kiel and here I am in the World Cup. Amazing. But he just said, nah, I've scored goals before and I'll score again soon. And I just hope I score more goals. And it all doesn't matter at all if we don't qualify for the, for the next round. So, yeah, let's just see what happens. I mean, he was just totally unmoved by, by his own heroics, which uh, was very charming. Um, but I think exactly what this team needs, that kind of hard-nosed, very pragmatic, very focused craftsmanship that he was able to provide. You rightly uh, described the situation when he was taking the ball away from Musiala. And be because it was so, yeah, in a way, single-minded. Ah, there's a ball, there's a goal, let's bang it in. And you could see that Musiala with all his fantastic, endless um, abilities, maybe having like seven ideas what you can could make out of this situation and maybe get around another player, maybe getting uh, something back healing the ball to somewhere. I, I don't know. And there is this guy and, and, uh, and he's saying, no, no, my job is to, 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 to put the ball in, into the goal. And probably not, not probably, I think he's the only one who has the in the team who has this approach to football this uh, thinking and you can see that all his teammates i mean I, i only saw it on the telly you you were in the mix zone i don't know what they were saying about him but but it gives them a kind of relief because they know ah yeah they they probably think ah we are much better football players like him but but he has something A quality, if we are really honest, we don't have it. And um, I don't know if, if, if they also said it, but... Um, yeah, yeah, they were saying it. But you know. funnily enough, they were saying it even after his goal against Oman in the friendly. That I think Manuel Neuer said he brings us something that we don't have. I think he's going to be a very important player for us at this World Cup, which was quite 
prescient and showed, I think, Germany that they realized that there is a problem, shall we say, or there, there's a need to be, to be maybe a little bit nice about it, to have that option available. And now he's no longer an option. I think now he is a solution, at least in the short run, against Costa Rica, where, as you said, Germany ideally need to score two goals to make sure that a draw from Japan is not enough to see them through. But just to be there at this point, thinking about this, talking about this, is a big improvement on what the situation was yesterday morning when a lot of people in the German camp and even the journalists all <laughs> thought, you know, Sunday is going to be the end of this particular World Cup. And then would have been four very long days until the next meaningless game coming up. The football god is taking it away from you and giving it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a bit the learning. After they played so well for 60 minutes or 70 minutes against Japan, and then the football god, not only, but, but um, also the Japanese and the Germans themselves, um, uh, lost it. And, and yesterday... I mean, it was a very lucky win for, for Costa Rica, but... You need a bit of luck. You need a bit of luck in this competition and you need to be lucky with your substitutions. And the thing that didn't happen for Hansi Flick against Japan happened this time, that all his substitutions worked out and were positive. Fulkrug, we don't have to talk about because we already have in, in, in epic detail... But Leroy Sané made a huge difference for this Germany team when he came on. His link-up play with Jamal Musiala, his movement, not everything worked for him. He had one or two very sloppy moments, but the kind of pace, uh, the kind of positions he took up, Spain had a really hard time dealing with him. And I would go as far as saying he also transformed this Germany team when he came on. Uh, they looked a different side, much more incisive. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be very interesting because if we assume that Sané will start, and I think there's no way around this, if we assume that Füllkrug will start, what happens then to Müller and Gnabry? I think the most likely scenario is that Müller might start on the right and Gnabry will be out, with Jamal Musiala playing in the number 10 position. And if Müller continues to struggle on the ball, because off it, he still, I think, offers a lot of value for this Germany team with his coaching, with his um, all-round action. Then the likes of Serge Gnabry or maybe Jonas Hofmann will be kept as a reserve. But it also spells bad news for Kai Havertz, I think, because he wasn't missed at all uh, last night. And I think he must have felt pretty bad after the German FA put him and Julius Brandt on for the press conference a couple of days ago. And then he doesn't get a single minute. It's the sort of thing that players really dislike. You, you were talking about the substitutions. Um, there were also substitutions uh, coming on for the two um, fullbacks. And they have some, I, I've read some, or let's say a lot of criticism for the two fullbacks and in German papers uh, today. I find the judgment a bit too harsh, to, to be honest. Yes, the um, build-up for the first goal, or for the, the Spanish goal, came from Tilo Kera's side, and he was not putting uh, enough pressure on a Spanish opponent in this situation. And yes, there was also uh, uh, <laughs> our friend Ra 
David Raumberto. Raumberto Carlos. Raumberto Carlos, sorry. Yes, he also had some situation where he was he was not looking very uh, lucky or taking the right decision. But but, but what, what's your point on, on the two fullbacks? I mean, do they deserve the criticism they they got here? No, I don't think so. At least not when Tilo Kera. I thought he had a decent game. Not flawless. Decent, But yes. absolutely mm -hmm. okay. And then when he was on a yellow card and things were getting a little bit difficult, then Flick made a good substitution and uh, brought on uh, Lukas Klostermann. So that also worked out uh, really well. And yeah, for Germany, of course, struggled. And I think you can pick holes in their game and when you don't have the ball then you know Ilka Gunnuan and Kimmich look a little bit lost and then you can give them a bad grade but the way they came back into it the way that they threw themselves into challenges the way they changed momentum in the second half not just through playing but also just from winning important tackles winning important duels disrupting Spain showing that presence being a little bit aggressive I thought this Germany team fought their way back into this game not just through their technique and their ability, but also by showing the kind of character and, and togetherness that people were questioning before this game. I think we all thought, you know, this game is really going to show if this team functions as a team, both in the sense of as a footballing entity, but also as a, as a unit in the terms of togetherness. And I saw a lot of things yesterday that made me very optimistic about this team because they really, I think, came out of that pressure situation and that uh, that perilous situation of facing knockout or uh, elimination in the face to some extent and, uh, and came through it. And I think that's really the sign of a side that comes together. But I was digressing a little bit. Just to finish on David Raum, I think, um, on David Raum, I think Raum has a certain ceiling And I don't think you can criticize somebody who plays more or less at the limit of their ability. It's silly to say this guy, you know, was terrible. I'm going to give him a bad mark because I don't think he can necessarily play a lot better than that. And he had some good moments. He had some bad moments. Sometimes you see that he's not a defender by trade, but actually a converted winger. But that's what we have. And it's a bit like, you know, winning the World Cup with Benedict Huvidas on the left. He's a right-sided <laughs> centre-back and then saying, well, why didn't he attack more? You know, there was nothing from him going forward. Yeah, well, no, there won't be because he is, that's what, that's who he is. And I think the same with Raum. I didn't see them nearly as bad. And I thought on the whole that Germany individually and collectively really came out of this game with a lot of plaudits and should take a lot of confidence from from their showing when we look um, at the situation here in Germany um, the German national team apart from all this discussion about Qatar and so on has lost a lot of friends in in recent years and uh, especially the late years of uh, under Yogi Löw they it created a lot of frustration And people, in a way, uh, learn to dislike the national team. Um, it's Their criticism comes very fast. And I think, um, I wouldn't say that this um, uh, yesterday's uh, match against 
Spain is the big turning point. But, but I think it helped to win back France because you could see it's a decent national team with sometimes having really good moments. And uh, it's a real team with a character. And, and I think it's especially difficult to show that against Spain with all these light-footed players that pass the ball around. And, and, and you, 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 you want to go into duels, but there aren't any because um, the passing is much too uh, too quick and and too fast and and you can you can't catch them it's like chasing the wind in a way and 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 so to um to be able to get them get under their skin also uh, i think that was very impressive um i liked it and i think a lot of uh, other people uh, will will have liked it too so uh Having said that, uh, Christoph, do you think that this performance, this team, a sense of progress will help change people's attitude in Germany? Because there has been a big show of almost non-support, not so much for the team maybe, but for the World Cup as a happening in itself. People have stayed away. The ratings have been pretty bad compared to historic Uh, numbers yesterday against Spain it bounced back but it's still below what we would anticipate in a, in a game of this this magnitude do you think that this might change as Germany play better and get into the tournament or is this antipathy so entrenched that people will say I don't care them they can win the World Cup for all I care I will not watch I, I, I think it will be mixed um uh Yesterday morning, I received a phone call from a friend whose name I <laughs> won't share here. Um, and she asked me uh, uh, if I wanted to come over to, um, to watch the Germany game. And she was in the uh, boycott camp, I would say. And it was like, I was like, oh, oh no, you're watching. And ah, it's a very interesting uh, game to see. And, mm -hmm. and so, <laughs> so what, what, what I think is, uh, what, what will happen probably is people, that people might be, might return to uh, the Germany games but not so much um, to, to see the rest. So, so you can say, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm boycotting it in a way, but, but uh, yes, but I'm not a radical. I'm, I'm you know, a fundamentalist. I, at least I watch Germany I, with some friends. And, and I mean, it's cold outside and, and there is no football around, blah, 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 and, and so on. I think for, for a lot of people, that's a solution. But, but there is also a hardcore of, uh, of people who... Um, um, who, who won't watch it, whatever happens to the German national team. What's been happening now in, in, in Germany is that some of these people who don't watch it have decided then to watch other football um, almost uh, ostentatiously. You know, I'm going to another game. Tell, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really fascinating, uh, because there are record crowds in lower league football, women's, uh, football, uh, 
uh, I think also youth football. Um, so, so to give you three examples, um, uh, this week and um, uh, Werder Bremen's women uh, women's team that's playing in the Bundesliga, uh, struggling, uh, fighting against relegation in the Bundesliga, played at home. And they had over 20,000 people in the stadium supporting them. So um, the um, active fans or ultras, uh, they were they were like um, not organizing the support, but they were saying we make it a big thing. Uh, something similar happened in Cologne when FC Cologne women's team also playing in the in the Bundesliga. Was playing at home. They are playing in the small Franz Kremer Stadion that has a capacity of uh, six thousand uh, uh, places, and it was sold out. And um, and another. Uh, Spectacular example is uh, in the fourth division of German football in the Regionalliga Nord. So there are five uh, uh, Regionalligen, and um, in the north, uh, VfB Lübeck was playing the second team of uh, Hamburger SV, and as um, VfB Lübeck supporters and Hamburger SV supporters are kind of befriended. They decided to make it the big day and they were breaking the record for fourth division football in this Regionalliga North having over 7,000 people coming. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see other examples like that um, in the weeks to come. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. And um, I wonder if... Just to start, we will see the end of the expectation that the team will have to do something beyond football uh, or not. There was a very interesting article by Holger Gerd in, uh, in Süddeutsche Zeitung, which basically said that these players, they cannot win in this situation because whatever, and, and Müller said the same thing, whatever they do, it's either seen as not enough by some sections of the German public or too much because it detracts them from doing their job, which is to win games. And they get criticized for that. So very difficult position to be in. And I'm saying this because um, Ika Gundogan was speaking to one of my colleagues from The Athletic last night and said, well, um, we wanted to make that statement, but now politics is over. Also hinting that, you know, it's maybe hard for him as a Muslim to criticize Qatar too much because they are very proud of, of, of staging this World Cup and it doesn't seem perhaps so easy for him to to take a stand that will be seen as as not um, constructive criticism, but more like uh, someone talking from someone patronizing them, talking from from above down to them. You know, you Arabs from the Middle East, you don't know how to treat people. You're bad, etc. That's how a lot of people, I think, see it. And I can see how he will be criticized. Now, in the German media, for saying politics is over, when everyone wants, not everyone, I should say, when a lot of people want politics to be addressed specifically by the German FA and the players, it continues to be, I think, an impossible balance to strike for these players. And I, I feel almost sorry for them because it's a thankless task, frankly. Yeah. 
Um, before we leave, what what's your impression about Qatar so far? And uh, let me ask a bit more precisely, maybe uh, when you when people find out that you're a German, um, uh, have you had discussions with local people saying, ah, why, what's what, what's going on with you? What, what's your, with your position or or not? You hardly meet Qataris, is the answer. I asked the other day out of my 20 colleagues or so who had met a Qatari and actually talked to them. And I think two said yes. Um, you're dealing with service people. You're dealing with um, people from Africa, from Bangladesh, from Pakistani. Your cab drivers are all foreign. The people in the hotels and the media center, they're all foreign. Uh, you might speak to policemen, but it's not really a conversation you want to have when they scan your media accreditation. Um, so it just doesn't really happen is the truth, or it hasn't happened yet for me. Um, what was noticeable is that yesterday you saw maybe some of these banners uh, with Mesut Özil held up by uh, Qatari supporters. Um, they all had the same banner. I'm sure it was completely organic, uh, homemade. Um, but you could see that Germany have become sort of the, 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 the villain of this piece. And the team that are kind of going against the spirit of the tournament as the Qataris and as I think maybe sections of the Muslim world see by making these statements. And I don't think they will win many friends. And it's going to be interesting how that affects foreign policy because the next time Robert Habeck, the uh, Minister for Economics, will travel to Qatar asking for gas, they might just say, ah, now, now we're good enough again. Now we're not the human rights abusers. Now you want us. So it's it's going to be going to be interesting you were talking about the spirit of the world cup um there's always a special spirit um whatever the 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 places where it is held what is uh, you, you've been to many world cups before when you how would you describe the spirit of this world cup so far yeah i would describe it as very localized so you have to actually go to certain areas to meet fans because of the weather, because of the way Doha works as a city, they don't really have many places to sit outside, um, watch games together unless it's in an organized way. Everything is indoors, in hotels, if you want a beer, uh, in fan zones, if you want a beer. Um, so you don't feel it in the way that you would if it was a summer tournament in a big European uh, country. The flavor is very much South American and North African stroke Middle Eastern. So you see the Tunisian fans, the Moroccan fans, you see um, South American fans everywhere, Argentinians, uh, Mexicans, they absolutely dominate, a few Brazilians as well. That's why Mexico-Argentina was probably the game of the tournament in terms of the atmosphere because you had 90,000, give or take, Argentinians and Mexicans in the stadium. Whereas at the game last, at last night, you had maybe, I would say, six, seven thousand each, and that's at a push mm. from the nations represented and everyone else was a neutral or maybe local fans who support one or team or another. But so it doesn't have a universal flavor, if you will, or a lot of diversity. But the countries that I mentioned, they bring a lot of noise and a lot of fans. And you can definitely feel it. And it's hard, I think, to say to see the Moroccans and the Tunisians having this great time or the Saudis and say, ah, oh, you know, you stupid people. This is not really a World Cup. You shouldn't be here. This is the wrong place. 
because it is still a World Cup and it's at their doorstep and they're happy to be there. So I think it it, it gives you a slightly different perspective and and shows that not everything is black and white and it's much easier to have big principles when you're sitting at home on the sofa than out in the field. Okay, so I return to my sofa, you return to the, field. Um, the World Cup, <laughs> to the field, and uh, uh, we return together um, after the historic mm -mm win, <laughs> uh, Germany's historic win against Costa Rica or whatever hap um, might happen. And uh, yeah, listener, thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting. And we shall see you soon. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. <laughs>